Happy Easter, everyone. Out here with the in-laws celebrating Easter, and, and I needed to record a quick little intro for today's episode with Jared Zimmer. Jared and I go way back. We worked together um, for a while. He's a great friend, and he works um, as director of the Word on Fire Institute. That's where you'll, where you'll know him from. We talked about everything from uh, things that make him cry to, you know, scientism and where we see, you know, the conversation in the culture going uh, back to religion or back to, you know, spirituality as those are cows. So anyways, it was a really good episode. I really enjoy it. Jared and I always go really deep. So I hope you enjoy this episode of the show. As usual, um, you can support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the show. And that helps us make the show more awesome. You can also support the show by um, buying merch, buying the random like merch that we're creating at um, theshow.threadless.com. So. Also, we're still open to sponsors. You can um, get in touch with us if you'd like to partner with us, if you have a product that you think would be a good fit, or if you just want to send us a package in the mail. Um, there's links in the description. And we'll be recording the big show soon where um, Ali, Johnny, and Nick will come on. We'll be answering questions and stuff if you want to send in a voicemail. 817-527-1423. And I think that's all the announcements, right? Pretty sure that's it. Just want to get those announcements out of the way. Hope you enjoy the show. I really like this conversation. Talk to you later. You staying home tonight? I hadn't planned on it, no. Plan on it. <laughs> Minus five, four, three, two, one. Booster ignition and liftoff of Discovery. You're gonna die. I'm Raymond Arroyo. We'll see you next time. <laughs> okay, I think we're good. All right, here we go. Here we go. Oh, dude, have you seen the new intro? Did yeah. I send you the new intro? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we'll just, normally yeah, I super good. normally I play it and then and then we go into but we can't now because it won't. Well, normally, well, I think you should do that for every one of your guests, so you make can kind them of listen. To yeah, it. make them listen to it and watch it, and be like, so what do you think? <laughs> do you and think? and just kind of you know say like, I I need some affirmation yeah. right now, and I yeah. that's the real reason I brought you here is to just affirm me in my creativity. I have been doing that a little bit. With people, <laughs> I, I have noticed that every now and then people will come on, and I will just I will just display all of my. All, things I should talk to a therapist about. <laughs> I'm just like, what do you think about this? I'm really, I'm really insecure about my childhood. I'm having some really dark dreams lately. <laughs> yeah. And and the hard part is like, it's not like I don't like it. Like it's <laughs> kind of, I wake up very scared and <laughs> kind of like a crisis, but it's like enjoyable. Yeah. It's really, it's really cathartic. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy pain. Right. Right. And I don't feel empathy <laughs> <laughs> for anyone. <laughs> I watched that movie about Ted Bundy and I got it. Yeah. I really was like, I understand. Finally, someone understands me. <laughs> Finally, a brother. <laughs> so how are you doing, Jared? Been good, man. Man, you make my voice sound so insecure. You're insecure. I affirm you in your voice. Man, yours is just so... We got to turn off the turn <laughs> off the bass. Out of... Listen to my voice. My voice sounds like I'm in a hallway, away, from, like far away. My voice sounds like it's, it's coming so from the soul. Loud. It's it's in the soul, man. That's where it's coming from. So do you think I should? I I need to activate my soul. You need to act. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those, reach, all those dark dreams you're having. I need to reach down That's, and activate my soul. Yes. Oh, I know it. There we go. Like that a little bit. How do you like that? That cleans it up a little bit. Yeah. Oh shit. Are you messing with mine now? No. 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 <laughs> How's that sound? Sounds good to me. Oh, dude, I've been adjusting yours this whole time. <laughs> I've been turning yours up. Hello? 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 There we go. Now we sound a little even. Hey. 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 We'll edit this all out. We'll edit all <laughs> you that. You say that a lot, and then it never ends up getting edited, so. <laughs> that is true. How many podcasts together do you think we've done in total? Probably like a good 30. Oh, yeah, over the course of our life. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, <laughs> this is like a common theme. Yeah. Do you want to start the show again? Hi, sure. Jared. Hey. <laughs> However you want thanks, to do it, man. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah. yeah what you been up to? Here. You are Jared lots Zimmer. What's your official title? You're at Word on Fire. Yep. For the people, you've been on the show before, though, right? Yeah. On this show. Yeah. And you introduced yourself, but that was season one. Season one was lame. Yeah. 
Uh, so tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm the director of the Word on Fire Institute. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. We launched that back in October of last year. Yep. And um, it's been going really well. Online um, online institute. It's an online institute that teaches people how to evangelize in the ethos of Bishop Barron. Yeah. So we record or we film these courses out in Los Angeles um, that we bring in what we call fellows, teaching fellows. They're all experts in different areas. Um, so we've got apologetics, scripture. Uh, but then we also have like psychology, sociology, you know, things like that. Basically anything that an evangelist can use um, to, to reach uh, our main target audience is the unaffiliated. Yeah. Um, and so people are able to take these courses online, but then we're also doing things like, um, conferences. We just recently did something called Bishop Barron presents, huh. uh, which we, we invited, um, Leah Labresco Sargent yeah. out to, uh, oh, Santa Barbara in person event, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So we had a live audience there. Uh, crazy thing is, man, we, we've already got about 385,000 views um, on that, That's that live stream. And, um, so did you guys go to, like, did you guys rent out a location and do yeah. like a Ted talk style? Yep. Nice. Yeah, we okay. did this, um, basically it's this place called, uh, um, now I'm forgetting it. It's kind of like a black box theater. Like the whole thing is just a big back black box. Yeah. We had a live audience there. Um, and then my, my assistant director, Matt Nelson, um, he did an intro. It's all good. So he did an intro. Uh, some, there was about oh, 15 minutes. Yeah. And then uh, Matt Nelson's really into, he did some spoken word poetry, right? Cause he's really into that. He's really into, so he just he like is. performed like well, he's it was Canadian. Like a, yeah. So it's just in their blood. So he That's, did that opener, that opening act. He did some spoken word where like you, you like talk, you say poetry, but there's no music. Right. 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 That was him. And right? not like a rap. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of more laid back and, and it doesn't rhyme. It's more statement. And it it's doesn't, like, and it doesn't rhyme either. Right, so it's like, right. it's like talking, but it's not. Right. <laughs> right. Like, you know, if you just randomly said, I learned more from Dr. Seuss than Dr. Freud. Whoa. You know, and then, Whoa. and then try to maybe rhyme, but it doesn't really matter. And everyone's like, wow. And I directly stole that from the office. So I'm <laughs> people will know. Oh my gosh. I wish you had the soundboard. There's an, um, you just love, I just have to do this. Cause you love this. Oh, where is it? No, God. <laughs> yeah. No, God, please, no. We've had to use that before. Um, <laughs> Okay, so Matt Nelson, sorry, Matt Nelson. Anyway, probably yeah, did we did, did he this, give a talk uh, or something, or he well, so he did this introduction, um, kind of talking about what the Word on Fire Institute is, and then introduced Leah, mm-hmm. um, and Leah gave a talk for about twenty minutes, just like a TED talk. Yeah, uh, and then after that, we had about a ten-minute intermission, and then we had about a forty-five-minute discussion between Bishop Barron and Leah, and then moderated by me. Nice. So um, that was kind of our first like big in-person kind of event, public in-person event, and yeah. we're gonna we're gonna do a lot of those. So, nice. Um, Are you gonna do them growing around the country or? Like, well, right now it makes the most sense to do it in Santa Barbara because that's yeah. where Bishop Barron's at. Yeah, yeah. So it's like a five minute drive to him for him nice. to go to this location. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens. Are you, um, are you guys going to do more of the, like him going to Facebook, him going to those types of places? Like, are you, um, cause like, excuse me, I struggle with this a lot where if we put on an event like that, all the Catholics show up, but how do you put on an event where, like is the Jordan was the Jordan Peterson thing was that a live event when they discussed no and that actually hasn't come out yet oh, okay. a, a, it was a podcast okay. um, so we announced that he was on the podcast but Jordan Peterson hasn't released gotcha. the podcast yet but we I mean we use social media to do yeah. it you know yeah, yeah. Um, Bishop Barron has such a big following that that's how we can reach yeah. the unaffiliated in yeah, particular nice. because I mean inviting them to a live event it depends on what the event is yeah, I yeah. think it can be done yeah but a lot of times in the it's like space the de- it ends up being the Catholics. yeah I think a lot of times it's just the debates like if you have yeah. Peterson and Zizek or whatever his name is, yeah. you have Zizek fans and Peterson fans both yep. showing up. Yep. I'm sure with like Bishop Barron and someone else, it's like some Bishop Barron fans and then some sure, yeah, like Sam Harris fans. That'd be yeah, awesome. It would be. Yeah. Do you think they'd art? Do you think they'd end up? Do you think Sam would end up getting frustrated and flustered? <laughs> well, I think it would be an intellect that I'm not sure he's dealt with before. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, but Bishop Barron's also not, I mean, he's big on good argument, but yeah. not debate. Yeah. So yeah. kind of the difference between the two. Yeah, no, I like that. that. Um, I like so that. it'd be more discussion. So kind yeah. of like what, what Ben Shapiro does with, yeah. with Sam Harris. I think that kind of really like, cool. uh, like the best, probably the best version of that is this podcast. Probably exactly. The best version. exactly. Did you see, do you hear that? It felt like my microphone came back. Anyways, <laughs> Um, did you listen to the Ben Shapiro, Joe Rogan episode? The the latest one? Yeah. yeah. It was, was very really good. good. It was really good. Very good. I was really interested in, in Shapiro's treatment of religion. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, being Jewish, it, it is a different perspective because for us, it is a matter of eternal salvation. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so whenever we talk about, um, evangelizing, it's, yeah. it's 
we have to. Yeah, like he was saying that they actively don't discourage yeah. it. Yeah. And isn't there something where like you have to go and ask a rabbi three times to become a Jew? Yeah, and, and then it takes like three years. Yeah, and he's supposed to turn you away three times. Yeah, but it's yeah. almost like this everyone knows it kind of happens thing. So, I mean, that'd be hard. I mean, I would look at the rabbi and be yeah. like. Really? You're really going to make me? Well, yeah. I just ask you two more well, times. It also gave me, and I don't know if maybe this is Shapiro's own kind of political views. I know that he leans more towards a libertarian, mm-hmm. um, kind of just you do oh, your thing, hardcore, I'll do mine. Hardcore. Um, but I don't know if if that's him or if that's the Jewish faith mm-hmm. that, that believes that way. But it was interesting whenever they were talking about even like psychedelics and drugs and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, ben was just kind of like, I mean, that's fine. Do what you want to do. But you it's know? different though because he has – he he kept going back and forth between his personal beliefs and then what he feels like government policy yeah. should be. And yeah. he he did say at one point that, like on the issue of marriage, he yeah. said, I do think that marriage should just be between a, a man mm-hmm. and a woman. But on the other hand, he's like, I'm not sure the government should be in that business at all. Yeah. Which is very similar, yeah. I think, to what Bishop Barron said on the Dave Rubin show, right? I mean, he kind of basically said, look, I'm, I think it's not worth pushing that anymore yeah, well, his big reason was because if people don't even believe in God, yeah, why, yeah, exactly. why should we get in tanks exactly. to go after same-sex marriage whenever like, yeah. and, that uh, foundation isn't even there? And I had brought this up with a friend. Well, one of my friends had brought this up a long, I mean, years ago had said, well, why do they, why does the the government should probably just get out of the whole marriage certificate business altogether? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in any of that, then what are you even looking? What does the certificate mean to you? Right. Like, why do you want it? Yeah. yeah. It's just a governmental contract. Anyways, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So how's it been? Um, so you've been working on this Institute. I mean, you're literally, you know, it's related to, you know, the stuff with the show and like people who are listening, who are trying to do creative work or run their own business and stuff. I mean, how's it been? You've had to just make something out of nothing. Yeah. Like literally, you know, you've had to come up with donors. You've had to, like write out, I'm sure some of the curriculum mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and work with the team on the curriculum. You built with the scripts. And yeah. Of the filming. Yeah. And all like all production, production, all stuff yeah. that like, I mean, we've done like, <laughs> like this, right. but nothing we've done professionally. Yeah. I mean, what's that been like to have to, and I see pictures of you like in these really professional studios with green screens and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. Is it weird? Feel, do you feel like you're on par now with JJ Abrams? You feel like you and him are like, if you see him, you're like, I get, I get it. it. I get I it. Get it. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> well, it's definitely been like a huge learning process. And the beauty of it is that, I mean, Word on Fire has an incredible team of mm-hmm. people. So like our production team is amazing. Our design team, our marketing team, all of that stuff has just been phenomenal. Yeah. And so I get to just work with them in their kind of area of expertise. Yeah. And then I learn along the way. Yeah. So I kind of come in more with concept and like abstracts and then ideas. They, You're the idea, idea guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then when it comes to like really, you know, the filming and all yeah. that kind of stuff, I mean, most of the time when it comes to filming and stuff, I get to just show up. Yeah. Like, Isn't that awesome? I work on the scripts. I work on, you know, that stuff. And we also work with the, the post-production team on the graphic images and, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, in large part, I mean, we've got, I mean, Joe, Glor is a heck of a producer. Yeah. Like he, he really knows what he's doing. You so. see the, the bodybuilder guy too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but what's that been like though? Like I know we've talked a little bit about you having to go to people with the idea and basically say, I believe in this so much. I think you should help us do, yeah. do this. Yeah. Like, well, the beauty of it is that, I mean, we're kind of standing in the, the house that Baron built. Yeah. Right. So like there's already a trusted, um, kind of foundation there. Yeah. Um, but it is much more visionary now that we're talking about an official movement and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so, um, it's, it's been interesting because people see it as something that's definitely needed, mm-hmm. uh, in the church. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've had to kind of sell people on the idea and present it at, um, meetings and stuff. But when, I, uh, when I've, when I've been <clears throat> like, you always hear about that kind of stuff in like Silicon Valley, like sure. startup culture and stuff. But then when I'm ex- when I'm around people like yourself or other people who are pursuing an idea to that level, yeah. right? Because like, if you have no experience with that type of stuff, you just think I should start a podcast. Whereas someone else is like, if you think, man, I have a really good idea for this video based podcast thing, you know, someone like me is like, oh, I'll just kind of figure it out. Yeah. And there are other people that are like, I'm going to go raise, you know considerable money to launch this huge thing and build out a whole staff and team and rent a studio and buy a building downtown. (laughs) You know, it's like, and I'm really inspired by that level of I'm intimidated and inspired by that level of like over the top. Has that changed you at all? Like experiencing that level of carrying out ideas? It has. It really raised my desire for 
beauty and perfection, mm. right? Like that we're not playing, you know, minor leagues. Yeah. Um, and so because of that, it's kind of like I look back at some of the stuff that I've created in the past and I just <laughs> cringe. Like it's just <laughs> – like terrible. You yeah, know? I feel the same way about stuff. <laughs> so it's it's raised my understanding of the creative process. Yeah. Um, also, just like the project management process, all yeah. of that stuff. Yeah. Um, it's totally changed my me on that, and it's helped me to understand my own strengths and weaknesses when yeah. it comes to all of that stuff. And yeah. that's the beauty of having a team around you. Yeah. Yeah. To help you, because when I when I know eh, this isn't really my area, I need mm-hmm. to kind of let the experts do what they do. Yeah. Um, that's that's been a big learning process for me in a good way. Yeah. You know. So. Dang. But I've also just been able to learn a lot and um, it's kind of pushed me to um, be able to rise to the top like, yeah. like in regard to production level and yeah. and expectations and, have and to, all that stuff. Yeah. Kind of have to like like really execute yep. on that level. Yep. What's been the scariest part about having a team at that level? Like what's been well, I mean, if I'm going to be just completely open and honest right now, yeah, I, Kevin, I have Kevin, a, we're firing Kevin. He's a jerk. <laughs> Kevin, if no. you're listening, you're on the team, you're getting, you're out. Is there a no, Kevin just, on the team? Well, just on a personal level. And oh, I, okay. I think a lot of people struggle with this anyway, yeah. is a fear of failure. Yeah. Right. And yeah, like yeah. for me, when things, I know they're my responsibility and if it fails, it's my fault. Yeah. It, it causes me stress yeah. anxiety. You know, yeah. I, I lose sleep over it. Yeah. Cause you're so like, we've told all these people I know, yeah. and the level that you're trying to execute at. Yeah. You're like remembering all those meetings where people said <laughs> you wrote the check and are like, yes, I think you can do this. And now you're like, can I do this? <laughs> exactly. Can exactly. I really do this? Yeah. And especially because, you know, at first it, it's getting better now, but at first it was totally out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And now we're doing things that we continue to do that are still out of my comfort zone, but it's pushing me to just excel and just yeah. do it. Um, and it's helping me realize that like sometimes that fear of failure is totally like, there's no reason to have it, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I think it drives you yeah. a little bit to, to keep pushing and keep saying, no, this, this eye hasn't been, you know, yeah. got it and all that kind of stuff. Well, I used to think like, I think as you become an adult and as you become like, as I'm turning 30 and realizing like, I'm still, I still don't feel like I'm fully an adult yet yeah, yeah. and I'm 30, <laughs> you start realizing at a certain point, or at least I'm think I'm feeling this sense that, uh, you never really feel like as a kid, you think that there are adults who just got some manual and they know all the answers. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, okay, at some point I'm just going to know, like, like surely at some point an adult sat down and, and made a wise decision about how we should send emails back and forth. Yeah. But the truth is no one knows <laughs> everyone's making it up as they go. Yeah. Everyone's like, like no, no one got a book that was like, here's how to be a CEO of right. like an online Institute. Yeah. No one got the book, but like kids looking at you are like, oh man, Jared must know what he's doing. Like there must be some <laughs> manual somewhere. Obviously he knows some information, but it's so scary. Like you start getting, you know, more experience doing those things. And you realize that like everyone feels that way. Yeah. Everyone feels like, I, I I think this is how we should do this. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been crazy, man. Um, have you, have you seen Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse? Yes. Oh it's my gosh. Isn't it amazing? I like it a lot. Yeah. Okay, can we talk about it a little sure, bit? Sure. Yeah. Because I think this is related. Because I have a lot of people in my life who, and it's not me for anyone who's listening. <laughs> Do you hear my? It keeps going up. Um, I have a lot of people in my life who are having this kind of hesitancy about, like, leaving a job or le- or or doing a thing, like having an idea, not sure. knowing if they can execute on it, and that fear of failure mm-hmm. keeping them from taking that jump. If you know where I'm going with this, and. You mean the famous scene? Yes. In the movie? <laughs> Dude, and I don't know what it the is. The song that they played in that is was perfect. So amazing. <laughs> so amazing. And um, what is it? It's What's Up Danger or something yep. like that by – isn't it DJ Khaled? I can't remember who it is, but I, all what? I know is it's called What's Up Danger. Yeah, dude. It's so good. And um, I and have to be honest. Like slowly starts yes. floating down. Dude, like, okay. So amazing. I have to be – I have to be – I'm going to be vulnerable here. He cried. Every time, every <laughs> I knew it. I knew time. it. It's it's powerful, man. It's a good movie. But it, but it's interesting because I've I've gone back and forth on it. I've tried to I've rewatched the scene a few times, and every time I don't like weep, but my eyes start get that feeling in your throat. Yes, maybe your chin starts wiggling a little yeah. bit. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. Your chin starts wiggling. Like, kind of just one of those. I get it. And I don't know what it is because it's not like there are other scenes in other movies that are much more. Um, intense like yeah. like screaming or like rocky fighting yeah, kind of yeah. stuff um 
And it's not that there's anything that if you just look at the shots of the scenes, it's just the knowledge that like he's I don't know. It's something about the knowledge of him. Like finally, he's going to put it all on the line. Anyways, um, that scene. What is that noise? You should get that tattooed on your oh, shoulder. Or something. The scene? No, just him like upside down falling. Yes. Well, no, that, cool. in that scene. So anyways. For, what's up danger? Yes. Oh, my gosh. So for those of you, we're going to ruin the movie. So whatever. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, where is it? Here's our spoiler alert. Um, So Miles Morales is this kid. And then all these other Spider-Men, Spider-Persons are yep. there. And in every different comic of every different version of Spider-Man, there's some type of leap of faith where they jump off this building yep. and, and then their powers, I guess, happen or activate or whatever. Yep. And so throughout the movie, he's not able to fully control his powers. He's not really able to really fight. It's so good. It's so well done. Even when he's running away from people, he like just barely every time yeah. gets away. And, um, he keeps saying like, how will I know when I'm ready? How will I know? And then one of the, the Spider-Man says, um, you won't know. It's just a leap yeah. of faith. Yeah. And so then he gets to this part where like everything's on the line and he has to step up. And so this scene where he gets the spider suit and then he paints it yeah. with the spray paint and man, that part It's kind of him like learning himself. Yeah. Right? Like, and he, like he understands who he is. Yes. And, and he's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be Spider-Man. I'm going to be me being Spider-Man. Yeah. And yeah. he like spray paints and he even wears the Nikes over yeah, it. It's yeah. so awesome. <laughs> and I was just like, yes. Like, um, and, uh, anyway, so then he like goes up on this high city or, yeah, uh, skyscraper like rise, yeah. and jumps off. And the scene where I thought it was so artfully done where, um, he's falling, but they flip it so yeah. he it looks like he's falling up yeah because he's like ascending he's like coming up to his power yeah. he's like and in that moment you know it's almost as if the leap him having him like having to do it yeah is necessary in order for his powers to fully come out yeah and he can't just sit on the silence and keep just like trying to use his powers he has to just you know um what's the story where I think it was some Greek general where he burns all the boats that they came in on. They, oh, that they, was, um, they land on a, in a country. Oh, what is that in? They land in a country and they burn all the boats yeah. and he's like, now we have to win. Yeah. It's and, Homer, but I can't remember which one it is. Yeah. And so this idea that maybe that level of risk and not to say that people should just take risks, right? but, but to maybe view that fear, that anxiety or that hesitancy as essential to you achieving your potential. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Do you agree? With I think that? it's also kind of the, the story of, of coming into your own as an adult mm -hmm. as well. Like you're, you're given all of this, these talents and all of these uh, things that are personal to you yeah. that nobody else has. Yeah. But a lot of times we fear using those and actually stepping out of ourselves. And yeah. we think that it being an adult means that you just have to go do the safe thing and yeah. all that. Yeah, but yeah. oftentimes, and if you think about this biblically and theologically, it, it takes a kind of stepping out of that. Yeah. Um, that's why I love to think about like the Old Testament prophets. They Their names were always changed, right? Mm, because yeah. it's, they've now become uh, themselves truly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that... Um, there, so I'm going to switch gears real quick. One scene okay. that makes me cry a lot. <laughs> not no, in that movie, right though. on board. No, that's not in that right, movie, though. It's that's right movie. on the discussion. <laughs> that's going to be the title of this episode. Jared Zimmer, What Makes Me Cry. Um, so one of my favorite movies is Darkest Hour. I don't know if you've ever seen that with Winston Churchill. No. Not with Winston Churchill. Well, about did, Winston Churchill. When did you've it come out? You've never seen that? No. When Dude, did it, come it won out? a lot of awards and all this stuff. Is but, that where uh, uh, Ryan Gosling plays uh, Winston Churchill? I that's um <laughs> I think you're thinking <laughs> longest yard. <laughs> exactly. No, there's this scene where Winston Churchill he's trying to figure out when did whether, this movie come out? Uh, like like a year ago. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What's it called again? Darkest Hour. Darkest Hour. Okay. Yeah. It's um. But basically, it's this. It's the whole process leading up to um where England decides to go into France and start fighting back right because basically the Nazis have taken over almost all of Europe and they're about to come into England you start seeing the bombings of of London and all of this stuff yeah and Winston Churchill is trying to convince the politicians that it's time to go to war it's time to no more peace treaties no more stuff we've got to fight and um he at one point um, I forget exactly who he was talking to, but basically he said, go to the people and ask them. And he goes down into the subway system with just the normal 
folks for the first time he's ever gone on the subway and he starts talking to the regular people about like here's the situation he's just being straight up honest with them about yeah. where we're at like this is a dire situation all this kind of stuff and they said well what would happen if nazis were on the streets above and mm. every one of them were like we would fight mm. and he looks at this little girl this like eight-year-old girl who just says the same thing even yeah. now i'm kind of thinking about it and getting kind of emotional it's okay you can cry it's such, a, it's such a powerful scene yeah, yeah. i just and but that totally is, what changed. does he ask the girl like he just basically like like i'm trying to figure out should we have peace treaties yeah. and try to work with the nazis or should we fight yeah even yeah. if that means there's going to be blood in our streets yeah and even and if all this... of these people are saying like no we fight yeah like yeah like that and to me that just because I'm a big Winston Churchill fan anyway. Yeah, I think yeah. he's a fascinating guy, but, but also that this, scene hit it. But also this idea of um, an eight-year-old or other people saying, I am okay with the consequences of, like, yeah. we're with you. Yeah. Like, we're all with you. Yeah. And we're going to go upstairs. Even if that means my blood. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. that to me, even that little girl understood yeah. Yeah. that this is something that we have to fight. We, yeah. And so to me, it was such a interesting perspective especially because he kind of goes down into the subway yeah. among just the regular people yeah. and normally he's up with the politicians that kind of you yeah. know are playing um power games yeah right and he's kind of the the lone wolf saying guys we've got to fight like yeah. this is a bad thing and it's um, so it's so interesting i feel like i feel like so often we are tempted into this message of like safety and yeah. and even and i'm not I, I hate making generalizations about like culture in general but Oftentimes, science allures us with a false sense of security mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that, like, science has all the right answers. And if we just work hard enough, um, we can figure it out. Yeah. And, like, we don't know what gravity is exactly now, but so at some point we'll figure it out. And it kind of allures us. It doesn't us. feel real, though, right? Yeah, like, yeah, Because yeah. we know our life experience. It doesn't feel risky. Yeah. It doesn't feel yeah. as risky. Now, granted, going to the moon was risky, um, and the science involved – in the technology of getting to the moon was risky, but I feel like, um, oftentimes we're allured by that, that false sense of there is a, there is an answer out there that is easily understandable. And so therefore, uh, I'm just going to live my life only looking for easy answers. Yeah. And those are the things that I'm going to remove mystery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it removes like, I remember having long conversations with high schoolers about, about exactly this, where, Basically, what ends up happening as you start using skepticism, you know, as you know, it's just you're just challenging things and looking for things that are certain. You realize that there's a lot of stuff in your life that is not 100 percent certain, mm -hmm. like uh, and, and, it's, and it's better that way. Yeah, and it's better that way. Yeah. And and like with um, Spider-Man, when he takes that leap of faith, it's implicit in that is that the risk and the doubt is necessary. Yeah. Whereas so often. I think we're kind of allured by, well, risk, risk and doubt are unnecessary. Mm. Like, don't you think in Christianity, sometimes the way people portray Christianity, yeah. like the famous, I keep, I keep, uh, I mention this all the time. There was an interview with Billy Graham, one of Billy Graham's daughters or granddaughters or something. I think it was a granddaughter and it was for like NPR or something. And they asked her, do you think Billy Graham ever doubted? And she said, no, absolutely mm. not. And I was like, what? Yeah. Come on. That's not human. Yeah. He's not a real person. Like he yeah. never had one thought of like, well, maybe, I don't know. Cause it, and it takes away from the beauty of faith of what faith yeah. really is. What like trust and, and risk and Dr. Matthew Rosano talked about relationships are risky. Yeah. You know, I don't know. It also kind of, um, it forces you outside of yourself mm -hmm. to, embrace the fact that there are kind of just mystical things in this world that we we can keep searching for the answers yeah for sure and we should but there are certain things that need to stay that way yeah you yeah, know yeah. um and i think that also that uh because we live in a postmodern sort of secular humanist understanding of the world where we're somewhat materialist in the sense, the philosophical sense. Exactly. Yeah. Where like, we think this is all that there is. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. So if that's true, well then no wonder a Joe Rogan would just consistently say, well, that's because they didn't understand biology or, well, yeah. that's because they didn't understand this. It's like, well, no, there's certain truths that you can't come to by science. Yeah. There's certain truths that you can't come to by the scientific method. Yeah. That's why we have literature. That's yeah. why we have movies. Yeah, that's yeah. why we have all the stuff that have, that has taught mankind since the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, think that sadly because we've gotten into this kind of philosophically materialist understanding of the world 
we have removed a sense of purpose yeah. in our lives. And that purpose has to have mystery in it. Yeah. Right. We're, we're constantly figuring out who we are. Yeah. Um, and so whenever we remove that and we're just, uh, we're a just risk averse people. Yeah. 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 Cause scary. we're just, we're just, uh, we, we take, we try to take like this sterile scientific approach, which is funny because when you look at science and I would think most scientists would not think that they're just doing some safe thing. Like it's, it is risky to go out into the world and yeah, try to examine yeah. things. But I think as a, as science, like you said, becomes more and more of a philosophical framework, yeah. like, okay, we're going to use science to talk about whether or not God exists or to at least just say it can't be proven. So, yeah. so it's not worth, it's not worth making a vote on or, yeah. or putting, put risking my opinion. Well, there were it. scientists that tried to find a place in the brain where morals come from. Mm, yeah. Right. Like yeah, that's yeah. not something that you yeah. can find in a physical way, yeah, right? Yeah, like really that, is, that is something that um, it, it's a, a mixture of common sense yeah. and standing on the giant or standing on the shoulders of other people mm-hmm. who have thought about this. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. That's really um, interesting. And to me, that's a dangerous thing to do. Do you think? Do you think though? I get this sense, but do you think that we're starting to see that all kind of break down? I mean, we've already seen this postmodernism, which is like maybe there's nothing. But it, it even see it's it still seems like science is kind of the new authority or not the new authority. Science and scientists are kind of the secular world to be very general, like our nation's most authoritative people. Mm-hmm. Um, the scientific worldview. It's like it used to be that Christianity was one of the most influential, if not the influential, worldview and authority were these like religious people. Um, but now we've gotten to this point where scientists are kind of held up that way. But mm-hmm. it seems like we're seeing it just fra- – we're seeing that crumble. Yeah. We're, we used to make church our church. Now we make we, – then we made science our church. Now we're seeing that crumble. Mm-hmm. And where, you know, where do we go from here where you know, Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson, these two big scientifically-minded people, can't, can't agree on the definition of truth yeah. in a very public way uh, – yeah, I don't know. Do you see that? Well, that's you see been, I mean, and that's been going on since uh, like Descartes, yeah, right? Like you yeah. go back to Descartes, who was a believer and I mean a, a genius, but at the same time, he was trying to figure out. I mean, he started to say, you know, I doubt all of my senses, yeah. right? That's where the cogito, cogito ergo sum, I think, mm, therefore I am, mm, right? Yeah. Um, because he didn't believe his senses anymore. Yeah. Um, and so since that time, people have been trying to understand what do we do with this whole Newtonian science of uh, this offers a very clear and certain truth mm. yet in philosophy or these other areas, you can't have a scientific method to prove that this is absolutely true. Yeah. There yeah. are different kinds of truths, right? Yeah. And then along the way, I do think that that started to crumble partially because we are now post world war one, world war two communist regimes, all this kind of stuff. We're yeah. seeing what happens whenever that worldview is taken to its uh, extreme extreme. Um, but this, the hard part for me is right right now, and this is, I mean, we see it in the rise of the unaffiliation right now with, you know, a quarter of the United States now being unaffiliated yeah. and no longer attaching themselves to religion at all. Yeah. And it's not like they are anti-religion. Some might be part of that demographic, but it's just that they, they just don't see how it affects yeah. their lives. They just don't think that means. it's helpful. Yeah. So I do think that we're going to have some kind of, and you see a little bit of a growth of it now, but this sort of humanist tradition yeah. coming back. But the, the thing that worries me is that they're not basing it on the entire tradition. Yeah. They're basing it off of this kind of – again, I don't want to mean materialist in the moral sense. I mean materialist in the philosophical sense. Yeah. That they're basing it still off of that. Yeah. And you can't have a humanism that's based purely off of um, what's scientifically proven. Yeah. Right? Well, it, it seems – you know, we talk about in the church and church talk and in the Catholic church for people who aren't Catholic or whatever. But – in the church, we talk about how people are becoming unaffiliated from religion and that more and more people are, like you said, like finding it un- just not useful in their mm-hmm. everyday life. And it's not that they're atheists. It's just that they just they are like, I just I'm not spiritual. Yeah. And I wonder if like, do you think that's happening with science where people are becoming nuns in terms of science? Because you have people that don't want to vaccinate their kids, right. people that believe the earth is flat, people like all of these weird things where people are just like, you know what? I don't trust scientists anymore 
Like, <laughs> like I don't trust yeah. my religious belief. These yeah. people who were held up as authorities. It's, it's an extreme, uh, extreme skepticism. Yeah. Like right? we, I can't handle So now you, like you almost have scientists who are like, we need a new evangelization for science <laughs> yeah. because people just don't trust it anymore. And they don't think it's useful. They don't find it logical. And they're just kind of figuring out like they know better than their doctors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they know better than, um, I don't know. Do you think that's something that, and then where do people, where do you think people will start? being a what will be the next thing that people will be attracted to i don't know you know a little bit i mean jacques maritain said that um or wait was it maritain i think it was maritain basically that there's going to be a new paganism yeah right that goes back to sort of a pantheism yeah um that's the spirituality is the earth yeah and right and that people are returning to that and you see it yeah it's in small circles right now but it is happening i remember years ago we talked about the viking yeah yeah. uh, that's coming back quite a bit what was that called people are now sacrificing again and all that stuff there are whole groups and and (laughs) (laughs) can you imagine like your next door neighbor being like it's my religious freedom to sacrifice our firstborn well, they're not sacrificing humans yet. Yeah, but it'll. I mean, of course, can we, can, we can make that. We can make that case with abortion. That right, that is what that is. Yeah, I know. But can you imagine? Right? But if not in said, the sense of religion. If someone, the first person who nationally makes a a like a ceremonial abortion, yeah, and is like, it's my right to do this, and it's part of my religious belief. Mm. It'd be so no. weird. What's well, already happening with like goats and stuff? Yeah. Again, this is a very very small number. Of I mean, people. we could sacrifice. <laughs> we got plenty of those. We have enough goats. <laughs> I mean, we could do a sac. We could do a goat sacrifice later. <laughs> but I do think that pe- people will start to search for meaning. Yeah, you know, and and they know that they can't find it. Um, I mean, even to to take like a Joe Rogan as an example, who I, I would say is a materialist determinist kind of person. Yeah, um, he but is it's still- so funny in that Ben Shapiro thing. Yeah, Ben was trying to say like, look, you think religion's dumb, and I think he just didn't want to say he didn't want to say outright that he didn't believe it but he he then said he was like no i'm not saying i don't believe god exists yeah it was like he just that's changed more agnostic changed quite a bit. yeah he's yeah. like no the spiritual but world he's coming at be- it more from a sociological perspective yeah too like because um ben was talking about his community which the jewish community depending on where you go it is a very small tight-knit yeah. community yeah um he thinks they, it's helpful he thinks that's yeah. helpful for people you know but again, it, it doesn't, and I think it's interesting because he's he is searching for something non-material when he talks about psychedelics exactly, and all this kind of stuff. Exactly. But he still draws it back to what the brain yeah. is doing, what yeah, chemicals yeah. are doing. Yeah. You know? um, so I, I don't know. I do think that maybe perhaps there's going to be a growth of this pantheism. But I, I think for a long time we're going to go through a who cares. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. like, like that's just going to be the reality. The, the difficulty, particularly as a society, is then well, then what do you do with ethics? Mm. Yeah. What, do you, what do you base it on? Yeah. Right. Um, if, if you don't have some kind of common core belief or common core access of knowledge, right. Mm-hmm. And, and if, if that isn't there, what are you basing yeah. your community and your, your society on? Yeah. yeah. Um, if it's just going to stand on something that was written 200 years ago, which I think is an amazing document, but that, that can change yeah, because well, yeah. their understanding of the world is different than our understanding. Yeah. And so therefore it's now a fluid document. You know? Yeah. I think, I think we're seeing the rise of this type of, um, yeah, like mysticism. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I always forget, is it Aubrey Marcus or Audrey Marcus? Aubrey, Mar- Aubrey Marcus. Well, anyways, he's like in the, he's the founder of on it with Joe Rogan. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he has okay. his own podcast yeah. and, um, he's in like him and his girlfriend are all for polyamorous relationships. So they all mm. have relationships with all these other people, but still have some type of relationship with each other. And, um, there's a lot more of this type of, yeah, like mystic, like like you're saying, paganism yeah. thing. We should. T- and it's weird because it's not. It, it's it sounds a lot like say the 1960s movement of sort of a new age yeah, type yeah, of thing. Yeah. That's yeah. But, yeah but we're in age, a post. We're in a post. Um, or we're in a more materialist understanding of that kind of thing. Yeah. Like it's almost a quasi materialism, quasi yeah. new agey. It's my hesitancy for honestly for, and I know I had Dr. Matthew Rosano on, but it's my hesitancy for. Um, evolutionary theory or like the theory of evolution seems to take all of these things that are, and it happened in the Joe Rogan podcast where, and Ben said this, which I was glad he said it. He was like, Ben said, I'm very hesitant to just explain away all religious things as just a practical evolutionary, like beneficial thing to believe. Yeah. Cause Joe was saying like, well, it turns out that pigs, you know, might carry these types of diseases and maybe it was written in the law because it was helpful and and Joe had a hard time with that, but it is kind of my um, hesitancy with the theory of evolution, even though I like exploring that um, 
the hesitancy is that, yeah, then you start looking at paganism just from, or looking at even paganism and mysticism or new age, just as like, this is just a helpful worldview that mm-hmm. we've kind of come up with, uh, by way of evolution. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, we should talk real quick about, I called you about this. Remember how much time we have just maybe a few more minutes, but, um, in that book, truth and tolerance, mm-hmm. I put Benedict, he sketches this outline and I, I maybe just want to hear your thoughts about it. Um, but he sketches this outline where he proposes a kind of history of religion or a history of, I don't know, humankind kind of. And he says, we could say that in the prehistoric time, um, societies were built on myth and myth was kind of our relationship to truth or our relationship to the supernatural. And then over time, humanity realized that that myth is not a very good um, uh, determination of truth because people could just come up with myths mm-hmm. and some of them are true and some of them might not be true. Uh, you think about like the Greek gods, right? Yeah, and I like, mean myth yeah. in the sense of um, uh, what's it called in um, in scripture? Um, like as a genre. Myth yeah, as a genre, sure, not myth sure. in, meaning like Santa. Santa's a real person, you know, right. and he's not. It, this mythical genre. And so he says that we had kind of three um, – we tested out kind of three ways of dealing with myth, yeah. the answer to myth. and. I always like Tolkien's understanding of myth as well, that, that we are sub-creators. We're, we are storytellers ourselves because the person who created us is Ooh, a storyteller. Wow, that's cool. So that's there really is cool. certain truths that are conveyed yeah. in those yeah, myths. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But it's not um, – it's, it, it's hard to test those, right? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's truths – the same way in like a literary sense today that yeah. there are truths conveyed, but it's not like it's blatantly said. Yeah, it's not, it's not uh, said in a scientific – upfront direct way it's said in um, in this genre where it's talking yeah anyway so he says that you know we've kind of tried three different ways of dealing with myth and in the beginning one was mysticism which meant the absolute value for for finding truth or the absolute the the like highest value was an individual's experience with the divine Mm -hmm. and sometimes that's every individual's experience. Sometimes it's Buddha's in, you know, there are these mystics or which are kind of like the priests of truth for them where Mm -hmm. this person has this kind of crazy supernatural experience. And so they've come back and given us the real truth about reality. And so he says, that's kind of one, this like mysticism as the way he calls it. He says the other way has been, um, to go in chronological order. The next one has been, you know, the Judeo Christian, like there is one God who has revealed truth and has told us more about reality <clears throat> and the absolute value is kind of um, like the prophet or, you know, someone who has received a message from God mm-hmm. has, or okay. we as people have received this message. And then he says, and then the third way that we're kind of dealing with right now is the enlightenment, which says the absolute value is reason is yeah. our, our, like our individual reason. And I found that so fascinating because you can see it. You can see like these, it just, as Benedict does, he just like lays it out so clearly. We're like, yeah, these are the only three options. This is exactly it. And I can see how reason and science and the priests of the scientific method are the scientists and reason. And I could see how it looks so much, it looks so similar to mysticism. Yeah. Even though if you talk to a scientist about, like Buddha, they'd be like, no, there's nothing in common between us. Like right. they are irrational. We are rational, but there's just these different ways of, of dealing with that, that problem of yeah. like, how do we deal with the truth of reality? Like you were saying. And he kind of says like, you just have you like, he doesn't say it this way, but he's like, each one of these requires a fundamental, um, act of faith, mm. which is like either reason is the absolute value or the individual experience of the supernatural or God has revealed himself. Yeah. And those are like the three options. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I feel like I've said it in such a way that it's like, what else do you say? But, um, but well, I do think I'm though, very smart. It, it, That's it's, why. it's, um, <laughs> what I love about Catholicism in particular is that it believes that God has revealed himself, yeah. but that we continue to use yeah. mystic and exactly. scientific yeah. methods of truth. And that's when I called you and I was like, this makes sense because if you ranked kind of people who are influential in the culture right now, 
you have different versions of this. And yeah. if people are too much of one, they're not as powerful as someone like Joe Rogan, who seems to try to use all of them. He's yeah. trying to use, and it yeah. seems like our culture is looking for someone to, to reconcile all of them. Yeah. Like Jordan yeah. Peterson, when he did his whole lecture series on the Bible and it was extremely popular and he was really shocked by that. And I think if you think about it, you're combining this scientist who's a priest of science, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. This authority who's also talking about a God who revealed himself, but also talking about individual experiences of the divine. Yeah. And so he's talking about all three and suddenly our culture right now is like, I'm really interested in that because science hasn't helped. Science hasn't worked. Christians haven't worked. Mysticism haven't, yeah. haven't worked. Yeah. Well, that's why I love also the, um, uh, the work of Mortimer Adler and, um, Oh, and I forgot the other guy's name. Um, was he the historian? Adler? So Mortimer Adler was—he's a philosopher, but he—he okay. um, he was a big part of that great books uh, of the Western world uh, yeah. production. And the way they call it is the Great Conversation, right? That it's a dialogue through yeah. history where they're going back and forth. That I think is a very healthy way to understand all of this. Yeah. That like science shows up, okay, that's what you have to offer to the conversation. Yeah. yeah. Philosophy shows up, okay, that's what you have to offer. Like, and then you kind of see now how all of these are talking together, yeah. and it gives yeah. you an opportunity to kind of step back and say, okay, well, but what's actual, tr actually yeah. true, dude? Right? I love that. I I hate to just be so like direct, but it is the it is a it is a Catholic way of it trying is. to find truth in the oh, world. Absolutely. It's is. all yeah. of those together. Yeah. We think of Aquinas who, I mean, he kind of shocked the world whenever he, he went back to Aristotle and many of the non-believers because he's like, well, he said this yeah. and I replied in this way. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and I, I, that's a truly like Catholic understanding of, of truth and yeah. a Catholic understanding of the world. I, I think that whenever we try to um, maybe affirm everything in the absolute. Yeah. Um, it as again, removes the mystic yeah. aspect of the mystery of, of human nature of reality. Um, and I think you lose something yeah. uh, when you, when you do that. And so, I mean, uh, but I do think though, that we're reaching into a place where people are trying to return back to that mystic, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that mythic yeah. um, place. And that's why you see this rise of going back to Viking gods and all yeah. this kind of stuff, because they, they want purpose and yeah. the scientific, method has not offered it to them. Yeah, cuz they're try, trying to live trying to live out a worldview based on just science. Yeah. is really freaking hard. <laughs> cuz then you're like then you're like looking through journal. I mean, you just watch Joe Rogan in just one area of your life in how to eat. Yeah. And it is so hard. It's yeah. so difficult to find any and then you start getting to these really deep philosophical questions, which is like, why eat? Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. what are you trying to do? one time in uh, my undergrad, I, I, we did uh, a kinesiology and um, one of the anatomy and physiology classes, we did like three weeks on the brain and they just boiled it down to the synapses and, you know, the movement of the brain, all this kind of stuff. And I remember thinking, that's it. Like, mm. it sure seems like there's a difference between the brain and the mind. Yeah. But we associate the mind with the brain, yeah. right? But man, what the mind can do, yeah. it sure as heck doesn't seem like the yeah. synapses are causing me to yeah, have yeah, yeah. It's these like, thoughts. It's like, like, like no science, you, it's really hard to find an answer. And I've looked this up trying to find like, where does the idea originate? Yeah. And there's no real, yeah. it's just or like, it's like just thinking, about, thinking about that uh, scene in Spider-Man, right? Like why did that cause emotions? It wasn't because of some like purely physical thing. It was, no, it was because deep you were childhood trauma. <laughs> exactly. It was because you tried to jump off a building yeah. once and PTSD. <laughs> it's because my dad said, you don't come back into this house until your superpowers <laughs> are fully formed. Exactly. But there was something to that beauty that, that other things can't do. For, you know, yeah. like there was something that affected you through the beautiful that the, the yeah. good and the true can't do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and it can cause you to go towards the good and true, but, yeah. but that beautiful just, hit you right yeah. and I, I i think that that i wouldn't say it's an argument against materialism but it is to say that there are things in this world that can't be boiled down to the scientific method yeah right yeah, yeah. and art in particular has yeah. the ability to 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 uh, kind of affirm that yeah yeah that there's meaning attached to material things that you can't really how do you account for the meaning the significance exactly of I mean, it's just a few letters on a page, but if it's written by someone you love, it it changes everything. You yeah. know, like yeah, and interesting. It's, it's the the whole both and thing, right? Yeah. Like we can be scientific and we yeah. can be rational. Yeah, we yeah. can be scientific and we can be mystical. We can be yeah. Like it, it I, I trying to put us in these boxes. That's exactly. that's actually not. It's not a Catholic thing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, to give this all away, 
this really is the heart behind this podcast is I came up with, I looked back on conversation. Did you bring me in here to give, do a commercial for your own podcast? Yes. yes. <laughs> Let's have a conversation about charge you, <laughs> charge you money for this too. Um, no, like I looked back on all the episodes and I looked back on things that I like talking about things that interest me and where I wanted to kind of ex- explore through these conversations. And the three things I came up with was spirit, science, and beauty. Yeah. So like, the spiritual dimension of, you know, talking about church and, and, um, yeah, like spirit and what are we in this non-material science, which is also interesting to me. It fascinates me, the brain, you know, um, you know, evolution, all these different things about science. So having different people on, uh, but then beauty too, like talking to artists and talking to people who like making beautiful things. And it seems like those three things really have a place in the church and you can have, you can have a scientist, a Catholic scientist like uh, George Lamatre or whatever, who helped yeah. helped start this like Big Bang theory, yeah. you know. And then you can also have a mystic like Saint John of the Cross, who I can't read because he just sounds so crazy. Like it's just like I'm a burning log, and I'm the, and I'm like, what am I supposed to take? It's just a hundred pages of him burning like yeah. a log, you know. And it's hard to like, what is he talking about? Um, but you can have all of those things and artists and all of those things together under one tent. And like yeah. I said, like all give. So anyways, I'm getting excited because it's exactly what I hope this would show the world. Like yeah. that people could see those three conversations all happening together. Yeah. And it's a needed conversation. I mean, especially I think in today's culture, because yeah. we, we put those things in boxes Yeah, and um, that that's not, the way they're supposed to be expressed. Yeah. Right. So if you want to save the world, you can go to patreon.com slash Edmund Mitchell. Anyways, Jared, any last, um, any last thoughts, anything you want to plug or talk about or no, I mean, this has been fun. I, uh, you know, guide people, I guess, over to the Institute word on fire dot Institute. You can check Mm -hmm. out everything we've got going on there and, um, you know, just be sure to, Keep word on fire in your prayer. Um, yeah. But this has been a really fun conversation. Sweet. Like, it is. It's pretty funny how deep this got because we didn't plan Any much at all. Yeah. I don't ever really <laughs> plan much of this at all. <laughs> it worked. It worked. Well, dude, thanks for being on. I think uh, look for Jared coming on the show. I'm going to talk Jared into coming on the show more often. Yeah, we'll have conversations fun. like this. Thanks, guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.